This is Crossover Collab. Welcome to Crossover Christmas, and today we present you with nine Christmas traditions. Josh, today we are doing the nine crises. Sorry, no, no. Crisis the cure is that? Huh? What? No. No, I mean, I, I, um, since you mentioned it, and that is basically the format we're doing for this episode. Yeah. Um, I, I do intend to read his second edition of you know the holidays and the feasts book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it looks so pretty as well the cover, so I'd like to get know, a paperback right? of that and have a read through because. I watched back in Easter of this year. I know we had a bit of a discussion about it. Can't remember if we recorded it, though. Um, but we did have a discussion about the whole kind of pagan thing um, around Easter and, and like Yuletide and kind of how much of that is myth, how much of that is reality, you know. Um, and, of course, there's... The idea that I like to recall at these kind of times of year um, from Nathan Finocchio, that whole thing of how Christianity is like baptized these originally pagan events to then give them new meaning that is now Christian and to kind of align worldly traditions with godly ones and the whole kind of culture wars around that. So, yeah, very interesting area. Um, so, that's what we'll be delving into today. I am the unresearched um, layman in, in this conversation. Brandon, bless him, has, has done a lot of digging into the background of That's some of our favourite Christmas traditions. And I'm just, I'm just gonna uh, No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I ask him about them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I'm very much a, uh, a layman as well in... Um, light of all of these but yeah i you know i got the odd wiki page here and there yeah yeah be be honest right how many of these nine did you just look at on wikipedia and then check to see that they cited their sources hey some okay not all of them that's all right you're allowed (laughs) that's all right yeah there's a bit I, you know what, we're probably going to end up saying this a few times, but if you do want to go deeper into the things we mentioned, then yeah, there's plenty of people out there who are way more knowledgeable than I am, at least, on the subject. Um, starting with, of course, Christ is the Cure. So get over there, drop a follow to those guys. and Yeah, they're yeah. So I like to start by asking you about... Um, a, a comedy bit that James Acaster does um, oh. in his special where he talks about when he was a kid and they would do these Christingle services mm-hmm. um, and how the uh, the sweets around it represented like all of the confectionery companies um, and like the orange represented all of the grocers in the world and stuff and <laughs> of, of course the candle makers that goes without saying uh, oh, and then yeah, the yeah. ribbon was like the tailors or something Um <laughs> So, I'm getting the impression, just based on the audience laughter at that point, that he's not being (laughs) entirely serious. So, my question is, what on earth is a Christingle? Right. A Christingle, this is jokes as well, because I remember growing up with it, 
in school and thinking this is the strangest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah then... I grew up Church of England uh, in in a CAV primary, so yeah, it was uh, it's a bit Pretty... weird. It is a lot, yeah, yeah. I did even try... actually, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt, but even no, at um, Kings, where where I was um, as a kid, mm. like in my home church, um, they're like non-denominational, like charismatic kind of thing, and they mm. still like got a Chris Dingle out for a few of the services, just because I think they realise like it's something canny to do with the kids, and also exactly. teaches them the importance of. Uh, not playing with fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I tried to um, explain, I think it was two years ago. I was, um, it was my last Christmas in England. I, I didn't even know. But um, I went to a, it was, it identified itself as Baptist, but it was predominantly non-denominational. Um, and we did a very, very small night service. And we did a, Christingle, and there was something really beautiful about it. I love that the churches mm. have started integrating what seems like strange imagery into their practices. Um, and I explained it to my American family as to what it was, and they were like, "What? Like the most <laughs> strangest thing? It, sorry, not just what? What? I don't get it. It makes no <laughs> sense." So, like, where's the gingerbread? <laughs> Exactly right. Uh, so I mean, Americans like their gingerbread. Oh, immensely, too much. I mean, I like my gingerbread, so I can only right. imagine how much you would like gingerbread if you had like actual like gingerbread house competitions in your town. Oh, it's intense. I've seen yeah. some of that stuff. Like, yeah, my wife is about trying to make a gingerbread house. Uh, no, nothing major, just a one-to-one reconstruction of the Sistine Chapel in gingerbread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bit of, well, a, bit of an amateur, isn't she? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I was the amateur because I blooming I'm mucked up the house, and and she wasn't happy. <laughs> but um, anyway, the the whole um, construction of the Christingle that that we know of, and I think there's slightly different ways to do it. But the most generalized thing is, you take an orange, you put a candle inside the orange, so it's on top. And then you wrap a red ribbon around the orange. Then you have four toothpicks. And by this point, when I tell this to the Americans, that the confusion on the face is extremely <laughs> evident. Um, yeah. So it's particularly when I get to the four toothpicks, like so four toothpicks <laughs> into the orange, and you tend to put. Um, I was usually. Um, brought up with raisins on there but you can put any sort of like sweet confectionery um, yeah yeah but essentially the orange represents the world the candle represents Jesus as the light of the world the red ribbon around the orange symbolizes Jesus's blood that was given hmm. for the world the four toothpicks represent the four seasons and then the sweets or fruit or whatever on the toothpicks represented the idea of like the fruits of the earth, um, which I f- might be interpreted in different ways. But I think the idea of it all coming together that Christ has redeemed and transformed the world with what he did for us. Um, so when I try and explain that, they're like, ah, oh, that's nice. Still a bit weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But I mean, 
just in general the idea of that symbolism is just it's so rooted in biblical concepts you know there's there's hmm. some strange um symbolism and imagery um particularly to do with food and stuff like that but i think it's one that when you're doing it with families it's it's so it's really got a great sense of community it's not that far off from the bread and the wine of communion or although it does have different implications but that the idea of the everyone getting together having the kids also do something creative like mm. they want to tie the board they want to put the toothpicks in and decide what goes on the toothpicks kind of thing like yeah yeah having that engagement with the family to do something that symbolizes um christ's love for us i think is a very um beautiful tradition and one that maybe i bring to my american family this year perhaps i have brought another tradition but we'll we'll get on to that we'll um, get to that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. but, um, i think it's absolutely fantastic and as you said josh you've kind of somewhat experienced that um at an older age yeah yeah i mean it's uh i guess one of those cases where the symbolism isn't meant to be like the symbols themselves aren't meant to be dwelt on it's what they represent that you're meant Completely. to dwell on so yeah i mean sometimes with these things the simpler the better you know to have something like a single object that's comprised of these mundane ordinary things that you're used to and then you take the kind of attributes of that to then represent something else i think is a, is a very good way of taking like the kind of mystery of the gospel keeping it a mystery but also having an element of being able to fathom even an abstracted version of what it is so yeah, yeah that's really cool thanks nice. for explaining that to to us yeah um so next i'd like to move on to um the idea of the the carol service we all love singing carols um regardless of denomination regardless of where we are in the world uh, in in that run up to Christmas, you'll find Christians, you know, in in mass or in services, singing their hearts out, singing some some great tunes. What's mm, that about? <laughs> well, yeah, um, with great tunes, they don't all sing Mariah Carey, um, particularly the night beforehand. But I mean, <laughs> welcome to. <laughs> Imagine uh, making it through Whamageddon, and then you're at like the Christmas Eve vigil. And then someone just like sings Last Christmas. That's hilarious. Literally. Right. Well, I mean, this references greatly to the episode that we did on the music, which if you haven't heard, go check it out. <laughs> um, but yeah. Also, stay I... tuned for how we're inspired by Christmas music to make our own Christmas hits. <laughs> Love all the plugins, brilliant. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, literally the idea of the almost going back in time is something very uh it's treasured about that so for me when i think of like carol services uh, and particularly mass i feel like there's more of a retreat towards like hymns particularly like christmas based hymns um and i think it, it's all in the idea of looking back towards christmas story um and I was going to mention Advent, but I think that will be for another time. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I think the the beautiful thing about particularly like the midnight mass, although saying that we've both come from a church in which they 
put it more like seven o'clock mass. I think that's more of the traditional thing nowadays because they want, a lot of families want their kids in bed earlier um, if they want to go to a more family-based service. Um, so I guess midnight mass is sort of not as midnighty as it used to be. Um, but I think that the the midnight mass and those carol services take what we usually do to worship God. We take the the carols and the kind of teaching in that service, but we bring it to a more historical element in which we honor this story as if it was happening that very night. Um, I know maybe not all churches uh, use that theology in terms of like, oh, it mm. is tonight, but I don't know that I've been to a midnight mass before and there's something really otherworldly about it. It, it suddenly, it takes away what was, what usually in a service would be bright lights and excitement mm. and um, the traditional teachings. They bring it down to where it's almost like, it's like candlelit. Everything's yeah, quiet, yeah. everything feels more sacred. So it feels like you're, um, you're really in touch with the, the feeling of that night. And I think that's what I liked about the whole midnight element is it's like you're... Um, experiencing the same atmosphere of that story the christmas mm. story where they are in the manger it is nighttime so the element of that um and i think just the the soft wonderful hymns of it all really just point towards this this um vulnerability of the incarnation and and us all coming together so i mean long story short the carol services are essentially just a um a way of having a service that points directly towards Jesus and I've probably gone on way too long about it so I'm just going <laughs> to cut it right there actually oh, that's, that's great I, I love the idea as well of taking that night and kind of bringing it to today rather than yeah. usually it's the opposite isn't it we try and take today and put it back into that nativity night and you know you've you've probably said i mean this year i was at a carol service where jesus was delivered next day delivery in, in a prime box like amazon box so uh, you yeah. know it do, doesn't get more 21st century than that but I, yeah. i've seen my share of like modern day nativities and they can be fun they can be funny and they can kind of communicate i guess a lot about how different our time is from then um but that the core would be the same you know like the story would still go the same way if jesus came today as a baby um but obviously the reality is that he came as a baby two thousand years ago and i think the kind of the power of that of that kind of ancient truth bringing it to today uh, despite how different things are now i think it's it's great to reconnect with that so yeah that's great yeah man, definitely all right, next is a bit of a controversial one. Uh, this tends to be what comes under fire the most, right? When we're talking about, oh, it's pagan. Trees. So, Loving so trees. I mean, for me this year, I went down to Wilco. I bought a pre-lit tree. It was fake. Uh, I assembled it. It came in three separate parts. That was a bit of a surprise. I thought it just folded out of the box, but no, in order to make it more economical for the space, even though it's still a pretty massive box, there's like three separate segments. I had to like pl put them all in, plug them all in, 
with to the, like the light thing, pull all the spindles out, and I could feel as I was doing it, this uh, this dark and evil voice <laughs> calling out to me. I was oh, like, yeah. "Is this it? Am I officially like a neo pagan?" So, can you explain to me what what was going on there? Did I did I end up accidentally becoming a pagan by oh, by putting nice. a tree in my house? I guess that's yeah. a loaded question. What, where does right. the tradition come from? <laughs> it's 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 weird, right? So I've I've researched this, and I still have more questions than answers. Um, and I, I researched this even last year, right? So, um, <laughs> but the not the best way to start the conversation. <laughs> but I think the main thing is it comes from the pagan traditions, and particularly like I mean, the whole Christmas time in general was more so to do with the. Oh, what do you call it? Uh, winter solstice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, you know, it was more rooted in the idea of of nature. They thought that the pagans thought that the sun died, and then it was reborn again, kind of element. But as as you mentioned at the beginning, Josh, it's this idea of baptizing um, and making these things new is. It's such a strong element here, like the very. I mean, even if you take the notion of the sun dying and the sun um, being born again, come on, like what does that sound? Yeah, like? yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the idea of a, a, an age where something dies and then we look towards Christmas time as the beginning of new things. The beginning of new things is in Jesus. Hmm. And it might be a bit far-fetched because, like, I'm taking what was once one thing and then applying Christian doctrine to it. But it's it's good Christian doctrine which can be applied. And for some reason, this is the only example that comes to my head <laughs> of all the examples. We take hip-hop. <laughs> yeah. And hip-hop in itself is a great expression, but a lot of people would argue that it was more founded in... in evil and i've i'm like I, I don't agree that it's evil at all in its roots like at all however its roots are very different from what a lot of people have done and reshaped that hmm. i think that's why I like the culture of hip-hop in general it's very um it has to change and develop that's almost what the yeah, culture is about. yeah it's about bringing something new to it um so i think when you hear, I'm going to say the main artists like Lecrae and a lot of Christian hip hop artists, they've taken it and they've made it more Christian. Um, yeah. And I, I guess you could, you know, you're obviously the music man. You obviously know that people have taken what were initially um, music that were, had different roots and they've developed it to mean a completely different thing, but still yeah, holding the attributes. Yeah. So I feel like that's the main analogy that i pull from there probably is better um examples to use but that, that's just what's coming to my head so i think the element of the christmas tree although it i still don't fully know the true implications of it from its pagan roots hello this is time traveling david attenborough now while brandon may not be wrong he didn't seem to quite do his homework. What we do know is that there are many conflicting arguments for the birth of modern Christmas trees in 16th century Germany. It is rumoured 
that Martin Luther himself saw a marvelous tree with the stars gleaming behind it. However, there is conflict as to the ultimate origin. So for now, we recognize that modern Christmas trees do come from 16th century Germany and that the origin of worshipping gods within the pagan tradition is so far removed that we can feel at ease putting our gifts under a Christian Christmas tree. Thank you. was initially pagan, however, we now have it today, since we are looking at how traditions are today. We tend to go out as a family, pick out a tree. I've never done that, we've just put up the plastic one since I've been a baby. But most people, <laughs> they go out and pick out a normal Christmas tree. It's a family event. They put yeah. lights on it. It's the idea of bringing nature indoors. You could add so much symbolism to it, it's unreal. But never in a million years do you look at that and go, yeah, winter solstice, pagan gods. Yeah, it's so divorced that. from that original meaning, isn't it, now? Exactly. That's the main thing. It's so utterly divided and disconnected from that meaning. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the thing. If you have to tell people that, like, oh, by the way, its original roots were in da-da-da-da-da, and they're like, oh, I didn't know about that, and then you make right. them feel guilty about it. It's like, well, if they didn't know that, then they can't have possibly been intending to do that. Yeah. Uh, ob I mean, obviously, I think uh, there's a line with what we apply <laughs> it to. I think there's some things that we can argue are just bad enough in themselves that you Very wouldn't much. do it, even uh, where ignorance couldn't be used as a defense. But I think with something like this, where it's like it's an innocent enough act that only gains that dimension when you ascribe it to it. Yeah. If and... you didn't, if you didn't know that it had pagan roots, you would never know that it had pagan roots. I think well, that's that's, the, that's the difference, isn't it? Well, if we look at Rome, it once had the Roman Empire. Then it became the main, like the capital of the Catholic Church. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's a big example, but the idea of taking something that initially would be evil, holding all the uh, the elements together, but being filled with with the character and the attributes of God and the Church. Mm. It can become a very, a very different thing. And like you said, that you know, unless you talk about the Roman Empire, you would never think that. Except, well, look, yeah. do know about yeah. the Roman Empire and its element of like, if you want to talk about the pagan thing, no kid is gonna <laughs> look at a tree and go, ah, yeah, pagan. <laughs> so, um, in that exact voice as well. In that exact voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that argument and what you said there is pretty self-explanatory, and, and most people. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely good to clarify that. I feel for sure. Yeah, nice. So you mentioned, of course, that we don't just take the the tree and we slap it in a room. We also decorate it and we put lights on it, and yeah. then the lights go, you know, basically everywhere we can put them, and our electric bill doesn't mind it apparently. Um, <laughs> so where does the whole thing of putting lights come from is it is it just a case of it's dark now it's like getting towards you know the shortest day in the year so let's put more lights on or is there like more of a christian 
spin on that. Yeah, so we, we definitely could apply the whole pagan argument to it like we do Christmas trees. But to be fair, from what I've read, it literally says that the practice began in Germany during the 17th century. And over the next 200 years or so, it became an established practice in Germany and began to spread out into other countries of Eastern Europe. And the main idea was literally that they attach candles to the ornaments or trees, which is a bad idea, <laughs> in order to illuminate them. And Because I think it looks pretty. That's literally the most basic element of it. So uh, you can guarantee that there probably will be Christians out there that go, oh, no, the lights, they mean this. <laughs> I, I can't even think of what an evil idea would be. I don't know. Like, I mean, Jesus fairies. is the light of the world. We already mentioned that with the Christine. Well, so I right. think well, you can apply the, thing, the same it? logic, can't you? Exactly. Like It's, it's such a, a mundane thing that has no moral connections to it whatsoever that you can't apply any negative things to it because it's literally because it looks pretty. However, we can... You could, although it's kind of all sort of eisegesis ish, but it's it, you could apply theological stuff to lights by all means. Like, as you said, there the idea of the Chris Dingle, you can a, a, apply that, and if you have that personal meaning to it, then it almost makes putting up lights more joyful. I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's a it's a cool thing to not only like oh yeah it looks pretty because I mean fairy lights on yeah I mean lights. I have fairy lights up all year anyway because uh, I'm so one of those good. people. Oh yeah, obviously I, I knew a lot. I'm of not students. like all the other girls. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I saw so I saw so many students. I had them and I was like, do you know what? I get it. But it's like, a vibe. It's home away it's, from home. Right. And I, I think there's, yeah, there's something lovely about that. The light within, like, the very subtle light between the darkness kind of thing. So you could apply Ooh. a lot of, <laughs> yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. You could you could sing songs about that as you put up lights. But, I mean, in the most basic sense, in all the theological debates and stuff that we're going about, it looks pretty simple. It does. It really does. And beauty is often its own virtue in in of itself yep speaking of things that are beautiful in of themselves christmas films obviously right. we're well used to them now uh, i've seen a fair few in this festive month uh we're going to be talking about a few uh so please please don't tell me brandon that they come from like satanic uh cults well i hate to disappoint you josh you know they do not, no, no. Um, I mean, so, Hollywood, that's a whole other discussion, but <laughs> that's a very good point. Okay, well, yeah, that, that most is of very... them, <laughs> most of them are not well, satanic, probably. No, well, there's, there's a lot of reasonable doubt, <laughs> yeah, that there, there's issues with them. So, like, Elf, firstly, just it's it's littered with pagan stuff from Christmas, and secondly, Will Ferrell. <laughs> that's just disgusting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. He's I, going I, to hell for that performance. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. Oh, I can't even say yeah. it with a straight face, man. Oh, it's, uh, I love that film. <laughs> yeah, right. It's. Um... Though I think we can argue that the uh, pop culture presentation of Santa is at odds with 
the true meaning of Christmas because then they often use Santa as a way of sneaking around Nativity and Jesus and kind of yeah. branching over to this kind of commercialized thing. But That's... I guess what's more important to this discussion though is how how did Christmas the Christmas film come about? Obviously, it can't have come before film. So, <laughs> so yeah, it came about from the origin of yes, film indeed. Um, so I mean, it as with all things that kind of become big, there was a market for it. That people started to create films that were catered towards the times of Christmas, and I think, like I've mentioned before, Christmas has almost become this time capsule of art and tradition. And so I feel like if music has definitely gone down that route, films inevitably will do that. Although we still get like new ones, except that they're just weirder. In general. They are, yeah. They're they're increasingly reverse engineered, aren't they? They're like yeah. you take like the name of a Christmas song or a carol or something, and then you set yeah. that as like the narrative premise. I've seen a few now. I'll be home for Christmas. Last Christmas, uh, deck the halls. There's jingle yeah. all the way. There's there's a lot now of of those where you can clearly tell they were just like there's a corporate exec meeting where they're just going down the list of carols. Which ones haven't we done yet? Krampus. What the heck is that? What's what yeah. carol is that? And then they're like, yeah, let's it's do weird. it. Yeah, it's. What if Christmas but a horror movie? We haven't done that yet. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I hate about it. It's gone too much in the di- other direction of catering for people. But, I mean, um, I know that Santa Claus, or, like, I think it doesn't even have an E on yet. It's, like, Klaus or something like that. Um, I know that's from, like, the 1800s. Uh, like, right at the end of the 1800s. Um, so that was, like, one of the first Christmas films to be made. So with that, it's um, it's old, <laughs> but the the idea of the market has obviously seen that people want that, and it's. I think the good thing about Christmas films, it's very much, <laughs> as we've joked about many a times before, Josh. There's always three kinds of Christmas films: films about Santa Claus, which I feel is the thing where, as you said, that it, it almost goes around this element of the nativity into just like the commercialized aspect of it and Santa Claus being who he is because of Coca-Cola. Um, so you have films about Santa Claus, films about the Christmas spirit, which hmm. are your more traditional kind, which I feel why a lot of people return to that element. And obviously they can overlap and stuff like that. And that's why I return to a lot of great Christmas films. And third, Die Hard. Um, and and Paul, <laughs> Paul Malone is in that category too. <laughs> oh, so, right, like violence. Yeah, right. And, and technically, the that what was it? Kraus? No, the film you just mentioned. Krampus. Yeah, yeah. Krampus. I mean, that, I remember well, seeing. I can't remember what the context was like when we saw this, but I remember seeing with a group of people like the first few minutes. I think it was actually to illustrate like the commercialism of Christmas because it starts with like Black Friday and then right. it's like a, a satirical look at how instead of spending time with their families and, and kind of having the Christmas spirit and, you know, focusing on what the whole reason for it all is, they're instead like throwing each other to the ground in order to get like 
a TV that is actually more than recommended retail. It's just it's got a thing next to it saying it was twice that. So ah right, the so, whole Black Friday scam thing. <laughs> yeah, right, and that's that's the thing. Unfortunately, films have gone down that route, but I think the main thing that we treasure most is that element of the families gathering around. Like we mentioned a while ago, I think it was earlier this year. You know when all the Marvel tv shows were coming out and mm. i think every friday they'd come out and everyone was talking about it and we mentioned how it sounds weird but the idea of a show or movie bringing people together to talk about something and be excited although yeah, yeah. We, sh- we should talk about jesus in that fashion for sure but in terms of entertainment and stuff like that that was lovely it didn't feel like just random mind-numbing entertainment it felt like it had that sense of community so with that i feel like the christmas film genre brings that element into it we take this time in the year to revisit these films that explore the idea of family and giving and no one really sits by themselves and watches them. You can if you really enjoy those films and the storylines in general. But for the most part, you watch it with your family. Yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah, the, a communal experience for sure. For definite, you know, me and Isabel, we we watch Christmas with the Cranks every year. We do oh, both nice. think it's a terrible film in general, but we we just love the mainly more so the memories tied to it and we just think it's just a fun film in general so that's what we go to every year and i have to endure elf also (laughs) maybe it's also a great time of of suffering for other people and having compassion (laughs) because you have to sit through that but yeah i think again this this i've explained it even way too much already everyone obviously knows because they experience it every single year films are that thing that you do to chill out with each other to even if you're not in conversation to just have a community where you engage with a story as i'm sure back in the olden days it was more so about telling stories our kind of versions of it are watching stories play out and together and yeah it's a beautiful thing if it's not done too much (laughs) i think there's there's a balance of like enjoying it and then just like being a casual table and binging it all but yeah yeah right so yeah straightforward one now i think nice so um another one this is quite an obvious one i think especially to our christian listeners but um would you like to walk us through the whole nativity scene how how we arrived at the kind of depictions i mean there's even now we're probably today gonna have a go at our own uh these kind of minimalist nativities you know where people try and represent it using the fewest amount of objects possible uh, i've i've right. had a good laugh at some of those so yeah where, where did that come it. from the whole nativity scene two thousand years ago <laughs> there was a baby called jesus um so i mean duh, it's it's rooted in the na- the nativity story you know like the one that we read in our bibles um i think it's been really lovely i've seen it in england but i've seen it more so in america that the nativity scene is just such a big part of um, decoration and um, an establishment in the home of like mm. what we believe. And 
I think the whole point of the nativity scene is quite literally to remind everyone, particularly in this time of like the commercialization of it, what the whole point of this is about. Like Christmas has become, it's unfortunately people trying to shift its meaning past this point, Um, but it's always been fundamentally about Christ, Christ, mercy like so i think yeah, that, yeah, exactly. you know what i mean like so with that element i think seeing nativity um scenes i've seen them in light shows i've seen them in um front yards I've seen them in living rooms um the most basic element as you pointed out there it's so interesting that people have very minimalist basic versions of it um but the very um basic fact that obviously you have baby jesus you have mary and joseph uh three wise men and i i'm gonna be an absolute blasphemy is is it the shepherds as well that be people usually involve in it yeah yeah usually usually um uh, i have seen and actually technically they don't have to have specifically three wise men because the bible doesn't say it just says there is more than one so that's a good point that's a very there good are only three gifts, and I'm here to ruin your Christmas by telling you that you, you did it wrong. Excellent. Thank you, Pastor Josh. I um, don't know what came over me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that whole idea of, like, you can, even the Mary Joseph and, ba- and baby Jesus, it's just a reminder of the incarnation of Jesus and and, uh, and I think it just encapsulates the idea of Advent wherever you may go the fact that you put in your house or wherever you may pass it's it's a visual reminder a snapshot of that um, story um, that we constantly retreat to to not only look towards what has happened in terms of Jesus being incarnated and um dying for our sins the idea of uh, the future hope of jesus to come again and for us to to wait for him and long for him so yeah i love yeah. it I, I never used to care for the nativity scene but i've i've very much come to deeply appreciate it however what about my presence because huh? <laughs> right. that's obviously is like yeah, that nativity stuff is is pretty cool and all, and I'm sure it's of uh, eternal significance. However, I'm more concerned with the here and now. So, where are my gifts? Damn it! So your gifts are under the pagan Christmas tree, um, <laughs> where you left your soul. <laughs> so I mean, gifts. Come on, like again from the, the nativity um, story. The gifts of the not apparently three wise men, but more than one wise. wise the, man. the multiple wise men, yes, who had between men. them three gifts. So it would make <laughs> sense that there was one each, or maybe there was one generous one who brought three, and then the others just tagged along and were like, "Yeah, we'll kind of split the bill afterwards." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So I mean, come on, the, the I've said, come on, so many times. I'm starting to sound like a blooming evangelical pastor come on <laughs> come on come on can i get here man um so yeah i mean gifts are super self-explanatory it's it's what people unfortunately look forward to the most on christmas day which is a sad <laughs> commercialized thing but see i i have two friends from norway 
and they've said the how they celebrate it is they do all the gift swapping on Christmas Eve. So Christmas Day, ah. it's fundamentally about family and being together, which yeah, yeah, I love. I love that so much. Um, Definitely. And that, that's like I think gift giving is great, and I think it gets to a point when, when you're older and and you really appreciate it all. That like you get more excited to give, and I think that's like yeah, yeah, exactly. The exciting part about it. So um, as with all things that are good, you know, um, Ecclesiastes three, time for this, time for that. So I, yeah. I, I think the contextual thing of like gifts can become an evil and corporate thing um but they can become a very beautiful thing done with the right intentions yeah yeah which is what i mean of course it's where santa came from as well right uh, saint nicholas who famously gave presents to children uh, particularly the poor and of course that's a time of year where we should kind of be conscious of those who are less fortunate than us and so yeah i think you've hit the nail on the head there i think the importance is in the giving rather than the receiving and of course ultimately that when we are receiving that we remember that we've already received the greatest gift in jesus and i don't mean to say that in a corny way it's it's quite a played out platitude but it's true Uh, yeah definitely god gave the greatest gift of himself yeah exactly and i feel like those kind of gifts reflect the ultimate grace that was given to us so uh but yeah i think it, i think it's really really beautiful when done the right way and I'm, I'm like so excited to be able to give mine on christmas day and yeah i'm a little excited to to get um some gifts for sure but it's you know the, the uh, as with fun, all please? people <laughs> yeah right please <laughs> But I mean, yeah, as long as the the main priority is hum- uh, humbling yourself and give, give, give. Yeah. So unless you're one of these legendary Norwegians I've heard so much about, uh, most people, you know, they'll have Christmas Day open their gifts and now they're starting to get a bit hungry. So, of course, they have sandwiches. Of course they don't. They have something a lot more extravagant than that and they bloody well should. It's Christmas. <laughs> But where where do we get the whole obsession with the turkey? I mean, of course, Americans have it doubly obsessed because for some reason they have a turkey dinner twice a year. Um, they, don't. Of, they don't. They don't. They don't. They only have it once a year. Which so? Oh, so they don't have turkey at Christmas. No. They only have it at Thanksgiving. Yes. Did they get Miserable. the memo? <laughs> and also, what right. was the memo? Because I I do realize I'm asking you where it came from rather than assuming. Um. So. I think it's again that quite brutally honest. I didn't research this one because I am under the great um, assumption, rather that the we've always celebrated things through feasts throughout history. Um, obviously, Passover being the greatest, and Passover being making even better with Jesus celebrating and him talking about the new Passover. Um, but even if we look like the Jewish holidays there's mm. so many like wonderful feasts and traditions so i think it's been a stable in just english history in general that if we're having an event we eat together because yeah yeah people around the table having a feast it's just i think there's nothing more beautiful than in, in the community aspect and i love that part of our culture i've even reflected that like 
coffee shops even and, and mm-hmm. restaurants to a degree um, like the idea of having communion around a table so I didn't feel the ne- uh, it necessary to fully research history it would have been ideal but I decided not to because I feel like it's inevitable as part of our human characteristics uh, and the way that we group together Um well, it's a good job I researched it then, isn't it? Because oh, I'll have you know yeah. that in, in 1643, Mr. Uh, Elias Gregg uh, created the perfect pasty. He <laughs> he put inside of it a bit of turkey, nice little bit of turkey. He got right, some uh, some bacon, uh, slotted that right in there. Um, he later improved on the recipe by wrapping the bacon around sausages, um, which he aptly named... Pigs in blankets, pigs in blanket. yeah, but absolutely. to be fair, it was it was his wife, um, Mrs. Greg, who um, who actually said, you know, maybe maybe Elias, you could you know make pigs in blankets. He's like, what's pigs in blankets? It's like it's the thing that you're going to put in your pasty right now, isn't it? Delicious. Also, don't forget the stuffing and the cranberry sauce that is mandatory in any Christmas themed thing even if people don't like cranberry sauce I'm not complaining because I like cranberry sauce but I know a lot of people who complain because they don't like cranberry sauce and they're forced to have it in all the festive stuff so they just don't have festive stuff anyway this whole story was made up I'm sorry for taking valuable time <laughs> well that hope is it gave you a giggle <laughs> it, it gave Brandon a giggle bit of a giggle so, I'll take you that. a little giggle oh yeah I'm um, having a giggle so, this is Bottle the thing. Water. Bottle water. <laughs> oh, jokes. But this is a funny thing, right, about the Americans. They take all of that kind of, sort of that food. It's more to do with potatoes and mac and cheese and stuff like that. They have that Thanksgiving. But because they can't be bothered, and I, I said, once British, we do it every Sunday, really. But um, <laughs> because they can't be bothered to do that again a month later, they, they just chuck together whatever. Do you know what I had last Christmas, Josh, for my Christmas lunch? I had. I don't think I want to know, but go I on. Had, I had some basic tacos and a <laughs> side of baked beans. <laughs> Can you right? imagine? Awful. So the, day of the Lord's birth, he doesn't want you eating tacos, right? Not that Thank he has you. anything against tacos, no, but no, no. I mean, <laughs> to a español, no. Jesus is like you've heard it said, "Thou shalt eat whatever you feel like on a feast day," but I say to you, he who even thinks about putting a taco in his mouth on December the twenty-fifth, <laughs> my birthday, I'll have you know, even though I was probably born in September, and yes, I am speaking from the first person of Jesus. I don't actually think I'm Jesus. This is in the hypothetical scenario. Um, the the taco-free version, uh, the TFV, now available on the Crossover Collab website store. Just kidding. We don't have one of those. We haven't sold out yet. But if you subscribe to our Patreon, we will get it to you. I mean, we have a pretty cool logo, so I imagine someone out there will want it on a t-shirt. <laughs> can't wait to see the look on their face when they realize they probably could have designed it themselves on any kind of not not to you know take away the credit from you brandon uh, or even from me and the odd bit of graphic design i've done but we are not graphic designers we are absolutely laughing we are content providers and that content provide we we're content providers and that means that we have to establish merch so don't of course. Me that. Oh, my secret, mate. All right. So, 
Um, Will there be a line of crossover Christmas cards this year? I mean, if you're nice, I might write you one. Cool. Well, why would you write me a Christmas card to begin with? Because that, incidentally, is tradition number nine. Our final tradition. I can I can I hear everyone way. crying on the other end listening right now because they just they don't want this fun to end. They've learnt so much. Oh, a ridiculous! I literally I I've offered nothing educational to you. I am just <laughs> I am that person. This is a starting point. Yeah, right. I'm the person in the, in the film. I'm Jim from The Office, where I basically summarize what you are thinking and what you know. And I, we, we've made a podcast, and we're going to sell some merch from it. So, like, yeah, they, that's how it works. So, I'm just letting you. But hey, they're more. still listening now, so we're laughing, right? <laughs> it's this is how little effort we have to put in to get people. You know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be insulting to these people. You made it a lot further through the podcast than I ever make it when I listen to them back. So, well done. Thank you. We appreciate you. And also, you know, I I know my voice is annoying. So I don't know. I don't know what you what keeps you guys around. It's probably Brandon's soothing voice. It's the Americans listening to our and also the hip hop thing. Yeah, British banter. It's been it? a, yeah. a British banter. Um, Gavna. Gav. You are right, Gav? Gav. All right, so Christmas cards, they're basically... Um, I can't keep this up. So, yeah. I mean, come on. Come on. Can I get in here, man? Come on. <laughs> um, their writing has always been established. I don't know when Christmas cards were first written because I didn't do my homework and research the history of it, okay? Are you happy? But the thing is... Christmas cards nowadays are once again an establishment of our love and appreciation for others. Quite frankly, I hated, detested writing Christmas cards as a kid, particularly when my mom would be like, I've bought you an entire pack of Christmas cards. Write one for all your friends in school. Firstly, I'd be like, <laughs> Mom, I don't have any friends. Secondly, I'd be Aww. like, What am I meant to write in them? To and Jokes. from well okay you're creative she was like to and from <laughs> and i was like that means nothing if i get a to and from card i don't i da, da, da. so i mean well do you know what you do right it, um well this is what my mum would do with christmas cards and to my knowledge still does i am expecting when i return home this christmas that there'll already be like fair enough a handful because covid but mm-hmm. uh blue tacking them on the skirting board around the top of the room why is looks that very nice home? Why? I think what? I think it's because it's like you don't have an effectively everyone you know is going to give you a Christmas card because it's the tradition of like swapping it to remind people, yeah, you're someone I know and respect and like, and it's also Christmas, so here, have a card. Yeah. I think the idea is that people got so many cards from people that you know you can't fit them all in the windowsill. You don't want to like relegate some cards to like a random drawer somewhere where they're going to end up anyway, so use them as decorations and i think there's enough nice looking christmas cards out there that it would make sense for something like that to just occur organically i yeah i agree with that we uh, my mom sticks them on living room door and it's really nice but again with because i mean we talk about like very british custom over here cards are crazy expensive so like they're not as mm. common as a thing this everyone still sends cards but it's just more expensive i was yeah, immensely yeah. cheap and way nicer um, Definitely. What, what I've loved about it is, particularly because I'm on the, on the other side of the pond, sending cards to 
my family and writing a letter as well has once again in that kind of time capsule element made me value the appreciation of others uh, and taking the time to let people know that that's why yeah yeah <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm better than everyone else because I don't just write to and from I write an entire <laughs> book of appreciation because to name a... you're pretty cool from name <laughs> yeah, no, to, to name didn't you know that Christmas is pagan and anything related <laughs> with it will make you literally a pagan that's from exactly. me non- Mr. Pretentious your non-pagan friend um, from me the straw man but I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm so sorry if people do this. Like you are, I, I honor your decision. Correcting people's theology and Christmas cards, right? To my pastor, did you know that <laughs> what you're preaching is actually dangerously close to modalism? And at this time right. of year, it's more important than ever that we get the idea of the incarnation right. Yeah. Please and thank you. Amen. From men, come on. Some random layman who has not got any qualifications, but at least knows enough to know I- that. I'm just changing forms is another way of saying uh, I'm yeah anyway <laughs> right no I agree I mean the to and from thing I, I I'm not about it I'm sorry I'm much more of a very like I'm big with express myself in words so for people yeah, like yeah. me I think it's it, it wanders more into that element but as you've kind of very nicely summarised earlier Josh it's just it's a token of appreciation for people that you know and respect and it's kind of like a wink and a nod to like, hey, I acknowledge you this Christmas time. And so even if it's the equivalent of once in a blue moon, someone says hi to you on Facebook Messenger. It's like, oh, cool. Right. You still know I exist. <laughs> like, I think it's just that kind of appreciation. Um, and I think when it's more for family and when you're in the circumstances where you may be far away, I think you begin to realize the beauty of of writing letters and it's just about taking that time to acknowledge people yeah yeah so definitely yeah it's great hey josh remember that um thing that i said before we recorded where i was like let's absolutely not do more than half an hour let's cap it at that do you remember that and did you notice how for the first half an hour my responses were really brief and you didn't take the hint no (laughs) no no of course not because I like to wander and waver and just tell you how great I am with all my knowledge, despite looking at a few Wikipedia articles and not researching most of them. Are you happy, Well, Josh? you're the one who has to cut half of this episode, so right, <laughs> it dude. better not well, be any of the words that I'm saying, because obviously every single word I say is, is valuable. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was called for cut out the bit where I call your wife an amateur because I've heard she makes lovely baked goods. <laughs> right, what you just said there, I can easily edit that into a, a terrible sentence. No, 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 please, no. Don't use the power I'm of editing against you. me. I'm warning you, don't, bruv. Don't fact check me, please. Ah, <laughs> uh, right, okay, well, all the Rick listeners is whatever off. I want it to be. Ah, oh, sweet. Cyrus. All right, well, have yourself... Just hit the stop button, man. <laughs> a lovely, relative... Do it. I dare you. ...wonderful pagan holiday. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>